Chapter Six of Curly by Roger Pocock. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Macquarie. Chapter Six: My Range Whelps Whimpering. Now that I have won through the dull beginning of this story, I've just got to stop and pat myself before going on any further. There were steep bits on the trail where I panted for words, rocks where I stumbled holes where i bogged down to the hawks crossroads where i curved around lost at the best i had a poor eye a lame tongue and a heap big inclination to lie down and quit so i've done sure fine to keep a-going ride me patient still for i'm near the beginning of the troubles which picked up jim curly and me to whirl us along like a hurricane afire soon we'll break gate from a limp to a trot, from trot to canter, then from lope to gallop. I suppose I had better explain some about Grave City and how we got to have such a cheerful name. That was away back in 1878 when two prospectors, Ed Shiflin and his brother, pulled out to explore the desert down by the Mexican boundary. The boys allowed they'd better take their coffins along with them because if they missed being scalped by Apaches or wiped out by border ruffians or starved to death, they would surely perish of thirst. The only thing you boys will find is your grave. Well, they called their discovery Grave City, but it was one of the richest silver mines on earth, and a city grew up here in the desert. For the first few years it was most surely hot, full of artists painting the town red, and shooting each other up with a quick gun. That was the time of Mankiller Johnson, Curly Bill, Rushin George, Brazelton of Tucson, the robber, and a young gentleman, aged 22, called Billy the Kid, who wiped out 20 fellow citizens and followed them rapid to a still warmer climate. When these gentlemen had shot each other for their country's good, and a great many more died a natural death by being lynched. The city got more peaceful. In the second year, it was burnt and entirely rebuilt in a fortnight. The first large gambling joint was called the Sepulchre. The first weekly paper was the weekly obituary. And in the eighth year, Mr. Ryan built his hotel, the Mortuary. That was in 1886, the year of the Apache raids when I went with the new patron to Holy Cross. Twelve years I rode for Balshannon. Then, Jim, being in his eighteenth year, took charge as foreman and major-domo of that grand old ranch. It was the 4th of July, 1900, before I saw that youngster again. We gathered at Grave City then to celebrate the birthday of our great republic, and it does me good every time to see our flag, old glory, waving above the cities of freedom the honorable jim must needs run a mayor of his at the races the same as i told him being suitable meat to bait traps i made him an offer for that mayor ten cents for her tail as a fly switch a dollar for her hide and a five cent rim fire cigar if he would dispose of the other remains he raced her lost one thousand dollars and came to me humble for the money to pay his debts. I told him to burn his own paws in his own fire and be content with his own howls. They're debts of honor, says he. 
Debts of honor, and you're the dishonorable James do idiot. There's your traveling pony been standing saddled all day in the blazing heat without a fee or a drink. You call yourself a horseman? Afterwards, we smoothed out fur and had our supper together. Jim promised to be good, go home, do his honest cowboy work, and look after the poor lone lady who was dying by inches at a holy cross. Yet I was proud of that boy, keen, fierce, stubborn as a wild ass, with the air and temper of a thoroughbred, and a laugh which spoiled me for preaching. He was smart, too, in a new shirt of white silk, a handkerchief round his neck, striped cream and rose color, Mexican trousers of yellow leather studded down the seams with lumps of turquoise stones and silver settings, big silver spurs, and on his belt a silver-mounted forty-five Colt revolver. I've got no earthly use for a boy who slouches. At supper, while I preached, he called me an old fool for caring when he was bad. Then he told me goodbye in the dusk and set off on his hundred-mile trail for Holy Cross. I rode home thoughtful and lay long awake in my little dobe cabin at Los Salinas, thinking about that boy whose mother was sick and his father riding to shirt destruction, a gambler, a drunkard, hopeless, lost, the best friend I ever had in the world. When I woke, the faint light of dawn shone through the cabin window and brightened the saddles on the wall. Something was touching my face, something cold, so I grabbed it quick, a little small hand. Then I heard Curly's low, queer laugh. You, Chalkeye, he whispered. He was sitting on the stool beside my bunk, dead weary, covered with dust from the trail. Somehow the boy seemed to have got smaller instead of growing up, and he sure looked weak and delicate for such a life as he led. Twenty years old? He didn't seem fifteen and yet he spoke old-fashioned, heaps wise and experienced. "'Where are you from?' says I, yawning. "'Speak low, and no questions,' said Curly in a hard voice, for on the range we never ask a guest his name, or where he comes from, or which way he goes. When he comes, we don't need to tell him any welcome. When he goes, we say, adios, for he'll sure have need of an almighty father.' out in the desert. Chalkeye, says my wolf, are you alone? Sure. No boys over thar in your ram pasture? My riders is wolfing in Grave City, but they'll stray back for noon. Hide me up in your barn for the day, then. And your horse, Curly? Say you won him last night at Cowards. We'll hide the saddle. Have coffee first? I surely will and kneeling stiff, weary by the heart, he began to make up a fire. There's a notice up for you, Curly. They're offering two thousand dollars, dead or alive. For robbing that Union Pacific train? I reckon. Chaka, did you ever know me to lie? None, Curly. Then you'll believe me. I wasn't there when our wolves got that train. I've never done no robberies ever yet. I hope you never may. Sometimes I hope so, too. He was holding up his hands before the fire. How's the patron? he asked, as he put on the coffee-pot to boil. Going downhill rapid. He's mortgaged Holy Cross to the last dollar. What's his play? Pharaoh and Monty, 
You'll see him bucking the game all night down at the sepulchre. He drinks hard now. Poor old and chap, don't you know? And the lady? Dying out down at the hacienda. The padre sits with her. And the young tree? Do you still hate him? Why should I care? Tell me on the dead thieving, Curly. You do care some. What happens to Holy Cross? Don't you remember old Ryan inviting your wolves to eat up the hacienda? They had stewed Ryan for breakfast afterwards, and he sure squealed. Yesterday I seen a barkeep who belongs to Ryan go up against young Jim and rob him of a thousand dollars over a sure thing horse race. Any day you'll see Ryan's hired robbers running the crooked barrel and monte games where Balshannon is losing what's left of Holy Cross. Ryan hired the range wolves, and they went straight for his own throat. But now the town wolves are eating your best friends. The only friends I have, except my gang, said Curly. Why don't you shoot up them town scouts and that Ryan? My gun against a hundred, Curly? No, I tried to get those crooks run out of the city, but Ryan's too strong for me. If I shoot him up, I'd only get lynched by his friends. Show me your cards, old Chaka. Let me see you play. I aim to turn the range wolves loose in Grave City. The range wolves is some fastidious, Chalkeye, and wants clean meat for the kill. You don't want to save your friends? The boss wolf leads, not me, and he wants good meat. I must point to good meat, or he ain't hungry none. Ryan has lots of wealth. We ate some once, and he's got monotonous. How about his son, the millionaire? My wolves would surely enjoy a millionaire, but shucks, we'll never get so much as a smell at him. Can't you suggest some plan for checking Ryan? I'll think that over. I calculate to spend some weeks in Grave City. Two thousand dollars, dead or alive. Why, lad, you're crazy. When I'm disguised, you'll never know it's me. Disguised? As how? As a woman, perhaps. Or maybe as a man. I dunno yet. I went to sniff the morning. At the door I found Curly's horse, loaded with an antelope, lashed across the saddle. I shot you some meat for your camp, said Curly, throwing coffee into the boiling pot. Now, let's have breakfast. I went out and caught some eggs. Then we had breakfast. End of chapter 6